Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. You can get all of your Pack-A-Day updates by following us on Twitter at Pack-A-Day Podcast. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always check us out at SheSaidTV.com. I am Maggie Lodi, and I'm joined by one of my co-hosts this week, Andrew Mertig. Kyle Fellows should hopefully be back next week, and the band will be back together very briefly, but back together until I go on vacation. So it's a Friday edition of the podcast. Andrew, how are you? Yeah, doing really great. I, you know, starting to miss Kyle, which is weird. I, I <laughs> don't. Nor, I, I usually look forward to just you and I and, you know, the adults in the room uh, being able to give the audience a, a actually good podcast. But we'll welcome Kyle back into the fold and then we'll get whatever result we get when, when he's here. Um, but a couple of things. One is we had a break from OTAs. So, of course, for the listeners, if you want all of the breakdowns of OTAs, Andy does a really fantastic job. I trust somebody who's there in person a little bit more than myself, uh, gleaning notes from Twitter. So uh, always make sure to check that out when, when the Packers are back in action. And then number two, Maggie had mentioned this last week, but of course... We are in the midst of the Tom Grassi 30 Stadiums in 30 Absolutely. Days. The first video dropped on Thursday of Green Bay, and then I'm assuming they will try to keep up with a video a day. I don't know how they're going at this torrid of a pace. Uh, but check out that first video if you haven't yet. Really cool. Uh, Corey Benke was highlighted, as well as Tom, the Packers tour guide, who is also in the Green Bay Packers 100-year documentary. Uh, Fun fact that wasn't mentioned. Uh, And uh, somebody else that I'm forgetting right now. But it it was a really great piece. Uh, Tom is doing just unbelievable work. I, I can't imagine the logistics of all of that. But Maggie actually is the reason why I met Tom a couple of years ago and like I was hoping not to like him but man like (laughs) just what a genuinely nice dude and funny like actually funny 
on unlike you know sometimes people are just personalities but like uh, what a what a what a great guy what a great thing he's doing so if you have the means to donate to St. Jude's I would really highly encourage you to do that that like what what an awesome cause what an awesome thing that he's doing but if you don't go out and watch his content because in a way you're you're helping support uh through through that avenue as well and hey it's just good content so um if you're not doing that i would highly encourage people to go out and do it yeah he's uh he's fundraising the goal is a hundred thousand uh and he currently three days in is at sixty thousand dollars so hoping um for his sake and for saint jude and everybody involved that they can smash that goal and if they get to one million dollars which would be just incredible Tom is getting his first ever tattoo, so <laughs> something to uh, to root for, I guess, if you have the means, like An- Andrew said, and uh, are able to to help contribute to the cause. Yeah, I mean, I'd doubt he's in the market for the second ever pack-a-day tattoo, but you know, <laughs> we can't all be heroes. Anyways, yeah, please please go check that out on, on Twitter uh, or uh, Tom's YouTube page, or I'm sure you know where to find him if you're listening to this. But um, just in case you're not aware, it is some really, really awesome content and obviously a wonderful cause. Uh, but getting back into today's episode, we are back. This is, I believe, the fourth year in a row of a series where we're focusing on not necessarily what the Packers did this offseason, but what the rivals did. And so the Packers play six games against their division rivals every year, of course. And so we thought it would be worth our time to put those three NFC North teams under the microscope, talk about their free agent additions, subtractions, trades, their draft picks, and then discuss whether or not these rivals, the Packers, get better or did they get worse during the offseason. And last week, of course, we discussed the Lions. So if you didn't catch that one, go back and check it out. I think that was a really interesting breakdown. But today we're discussing the state of the Minnesota Vikings. So this will be a really interesting one. Uh, And I get to start out with the coaching changes. So the Vikings do have Kevin O'Connell returning as the second year head coach of the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, O'Connell came over from the Rams. Wes Phillips, uh, who came with Kevin O'Connell, does return as the offensive coordinator. But they do have a change on the defensive side of the ball. Ed Donatel, former Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator, was fired. Um, and then seven other coaches on this staff either left on their own volition or were fired. And Brian Flores was brought in after a year as a Steelers assistant coach and hired as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, so in an alternate universe, I really wanted Brian Flores to be the new defensive coordinator for the Packers, but we obviously know that Joe Barry has returned, and now there are no excuses for this defense. Um, Flores, I honestly think, is just a fantastic hire, and honestly, I think he should be a head coach somewhere, so that's a significant addition for the Vikings, especially with O'Connell being kind of a younger head coach, his second year in the league. I liked what I saw from his first season, and winning the division is impressive, obviously. Shout out Matt LaFleur for doing it his first year with the Packers, but the offense is working um so i think the changes to this defensive coaching staff were absolutely needed and necessary so hate that i like it that was about the last place i wanted to see brian flores end up and of course he went to minnesota so 
free agency additions for the Vikings. They brought in tight end Josh Oliver from Baltimore, corner Byron Murphy from Arizona, wide receiver Brandon Powell from the Rams, uh, linebacker Troy Reader from the Chargers, CB uh, Joe Juan Williams from New England, edge Marcus Davenport from the Saints, and then, of course, defensive end Dean Lowry, formerly with the Green Bay Packers. So, Andrew, what do you think of those free agent additions? Yeah, I think I think there is a lot of upside here. And we have talked in the past about how the Vikings are kind of pushing the reset button and, you know, really like sort of doing a mini teardown after a year where they're really successful, but they were in a difficult situation. However, I do kind of like what they did. And maybe that means that it's overstated a little bit, uh, the step back that there would be expected here. I think Byron Murphy is a really good young cornerback and a rarity in free agency in that he is actually still pretty young. Marcus Davenport, who follows me on Twitter, uh, has never quite put it all together. But if he stays healthy, he could be a big impact on a relatively reasonable contract for an edge rusher with his kind of physical attributes. Josh Oliver seemed to be an overpay, so we will see how they utilize him to give a backup tight end in Baltimore all of that money. Uh, They must have seen some pretty significant upside there, so it will be interesting to see how they utilize him in this offense. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I mean, Murphy brings a ton of promise to that corner room. Um, He'll pair nicely with Andrew Booth Jr. And then Davenport and Daniil Hunter can be a problem if Davenport lives up to his billing as that former first-round pick. The Dean Lowry signing is just a little bit funny to me. I mean, he's nice depth for a D-line room, of course, but there honestly isn't a lot of proven depth in that Vikings room already. So, you know, Harrison Phillips is aging. So Lowry, I think, is going to kind of be forced to step up and be one of the guys, quote unquote, in Minnesota. And he's always kind of been more of a complimentary piece. So it'll be interesting to see the kind of season that he does have with the Vikings if he's forced into that role of a more primary pass rusher. Yeah, so the Vikings did re-sign some of their players, and uh, that list is highlighted by center Garrett Bradbury, running back Alexander Madison, quarterback Nick Mullins, kicker Greg Joseph, defensive end Jonathan Bullard, and center Austin Schlotman, who I mentioned for two reasons. One, I really like saying Schlotman. And then also, uh, he was uh, the center force into action against Green Bay late in the season and uh, became a punching bag for Vikings fans everywhere. So it is funny that they brought him back. Uh, Bradbury, of course, is an interesting re-signing. He has not lived up to the first-round hype, but has performed better in recent years. I just don't know that he's much more than a league average center, so it was interesting to see them bringing him back instead of getting younger and cheaper there. Madison surprised me in returning because I thought there would be a bigger market for somebody who has been a really productive backup. But today, you know, we're recording this on June 1st. I haven't heard any Delvin Cook news yet. I don't know if that's been been announced, but... There are some whispers that he's going to be released, and Madison has been promised the starting role, maybe? Or, you know, that's a more of a question. Like, has Alexander Madison been promised the starting role, and that's why he stuck around versus testing out another situation where he would have had a chance at being the starter? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, I I like Alexander Madison quite a bit. I just... You know, you have to wonder what that that situation is like in the running back room. But I think we'll dive into that a little bit more later in the show. Some free agency losses for the Vikings. Um, Big one, Delvin Tomlinson. uh, The defensive lineman went to Cleveland. Wide receiver Adam Thielen went to the Panthers. 
corner Patrick Peterson went to the Steelers. Linebacker Eric Kendricks went to the Chargers. Tight end Irv Smith went to Cincinnati. Corner Duke Shelley went to the Raiders. Corner Shandon Sullivan went to Pittsburgh. Uh, corner Chris Boyd went to Arizona. And then Edge Zadarius Smith was traded to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, the, the Vikings here seemingly took the approach that they know they're probably going to take a step back and embraced it. And honestly, I think that's to be applauded. There, there's a ton of players who were highly productive but were expensive and aging. And instead of clinging to this window after a pretty surprising 13-win season, they decided to move on from some of their key cogs. So you, know, you talk about Thielen, Kendricks, Patrick Peterson— those probably hurt the most emotionally for fans. I think Delvin Tomlinson seems to be the biggest loss from an on-field standpoint. So really like an interesting list of players. Hey everybody, here on the Packaday Podcast, we're all about look good, play good, and that's why I'm super excited to announce our new sponsor, Oakley. Oakley is changing the game and it's time to discover a whole new world of possibilities. Do you run, golf, work out, or just want to look like Aaron Jones? Then you need to get yourself a pair of Oakleys today. Last season, I saw Aaron Jones wearing his signature Oakley sunglasses and I knew I had to have a pair. My Oakleys fit me perfectly and I've loved Oakley style since I was a kid. There's just that extra boost of confidence I get when I'm wearing them and that's why I wear them every single day. Suited for everyday eyewear with frames and lenses that allow for an expression of your own unique personality, there's more than meets the eye. With summer just around the corner, you're going to want to upgrade your sunglasses game right now. Check out oakley.com to get yourself a pair. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the frog skins. Did you know that Oakley even offers prism lens technology? What the hell is that, you ask? It's a proprietary technology to Oakley and available for everyday settings as well. Want to know more? I know you do, so head over to oakley.com and uh, do your own research. And while you're there, get yourself a pair of everyday glasses that'll be sure to change your look for the better. When you wear Oakley, there really is more than meets the eye. Don't trust me? Try for yourself. I've worn a lot of sunglasses brands in my life, and I can assure you, Oakley is not only the best looking, but the best quality out there. Head over to oakley.com for more information today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, I think there's kind of two ways to look at this. You talked, obviously, about applauding the Vikings for acknowledging, though they wouldn't probably admit it, that they're taking a step back in 2023, which is funny since this is probably the most wide open the division has been in how long. Uh, but on the flip side of that, I think the Vikings, you know, they just hired a new defensive coordinator in Brian Flores, and you could argue that they did nothing to surround him with the pieces that he would need to be successful. Tomlinson, Kendricks, Peterson, trading Z to Cleveland. I'm not sure that the players that they drafted and 
we'll get into that, and who they signed in free agency can make up for some of those pretty significant losses. I think expectations are obviously still high for this defense with the pieces that they have and with Brian Flores as the new defensive coordinator, but I do think that they were hurt by a lot of those aforementioned departures. Yeah, and and how they tried to replace some of that talent was through the draft, but they only had six picks, and so... They do, uh, in the first round, take wide receiver Jordan Addison from USC. In the third round, they take cornerback Makai Blackman from USC. In the fourth round, they get safety Jay Ward. They had two fifth-round picks. They get defensive tackle Jacqueline Roy from LSU and quarterback Jaron Hall from BYU. And then the seventh round, they go with running back Dwayne McBride from the University of Alabama-Birmingham. Yeah, we broke this draft down in some pretty significant detail in mid-May on our NFC North draft recap show, but I'll say it again. You know, I thought this draft class was just kind of meh. Jordan Addison, I like with Justin Jefferson. I think that's a fun tandem, especially with the need to replace Adam Thielen. And then you add in KJ Osborne, and that's a really solid top three in a wide receiving room. Beyond that, though, I think this is just mostly depth, which is fine, you know, considering the Vikings only had six picks to work with, like you mentioned. Jay Ward still jumps out to me probably from this list as somebody who can impress really early. We saw all of the departures uh, in that corner, that secondary room. Um, We mentioned Byron Murphy signing in free agency and how well he pairs with Anthony Booth Jr. So I think you throw Ward in the slot or you just kind of plug and play him anywhere in the secondary. And this is a really young unit with a lot of upside. Yeah, so we'll take a look at the Vikings depth chart next before we assess if we think they got better or worse. And we'll start with the offense. So Kirk Cousins returns at quarterback. The running back position is interesting. Delvin Cook, Alexander Madison, Ty Chandler, Dwayne McBride, who we just talked about them drafting. uh, A lot of depth there. So we will see if Cook hangs on at wide receiver. You already broke this down, Maggie. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne. The depth there is a little questionable. Uh, Jalen Rager still trying to figure out if he's an NFL caliber player. Brandon Powell, who they brought in as a free agent. So maybe a lack of depth there. Uh, Tight end, TJ Hawkinson, of course, and Josh Oliver being the backup. So um, really, really fascinating to see how they operate that. CJ Ham, the fullback, and their offensive line. Uh, going left to right, they go with uh, Christian Derrissaw, Ezra Cleveland, Garrett Bradbury, Ed Ingram, and Brian O'Neill. That that line was really fantastic. It was a revelation last year after the Vikings really struggling to put together an offensive line for a very long time. It seemed like a lot of young players just clicked uh, and turned into you know really stellar players. Derrissaw, of course, being the headliner there, but really good group of tackles. Uh, we'll see if Bradbury continues to get better. This is a, a really great offensive line, but the depth, oof. Uh, there's somebody named Blake Brandle, uh, who is going to be one of their backup tackles. They have uh, Olesemiku Udo. I said that wrong. but uh, And then like Austin Schlotman, the previously mentioned Chris Reed. Like their backups are a bunch of question marks. So yeah. it, it will be interesting to see if that depth gets tested at some point. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think when you look at the offense, you mentioned it already at the top of the show. Like we don't know what's going to happen with Dalvin Cook. So I really like Alexander Madison as a running back. But can he be a number one back in a backfield. I always thought he was a really good compliment. And Dalvin Cook does so much as a receiving weapon too. He's a he's a threat in the the receiving game. So I think it's it's kind of a head scratcher what that offense can look like. We know there's good pieces. Again, a lot of this it's kind of like we said with the Lions. It's contingent upon what version of Kirk Cousins you're getting. The offensive line is there. 
not sure what his running back room looks like, but the wide receivers and he's got TJ Hawkinson now um, as a solid tight end. So he has the pieces. It's just, you know, what Kevin O'Connell can get out of that unit going into year two as the head coach. Yeah, and we we expect that offense, if healthy, to be really good. Uh, and they might need to be because we're going to take a look at their defense. And with Brian Flores taking over, the depth chart that I pulled up has them listed as a base 3-4. I will say Flores coming from New England, they're probably going to play a little bit of everything. Um, and so it'll be weird here because they have Daniil Hunter and Marcus Davenport listed as outside linebackers which, of course, in a 3-4, they're, they're edge players. So, um, you know, that is probably the highlight of their defense. So the the players coming off the edge in Hunter and Davenport. Uh, DJ Wanham looked pretty good last year, so maybe a little bit of depth there. Across the defensive line, Dean Lowry, Kyrus Tonga, Harrison Phillips, uh, some backups you've heard of, James Lynch, Ross Blacklock, but not a ton to be really inspired by there from starters or backups. Uh, off-ball linebackers, Brian Asamoah, Jordan Hicks, Troy Reader, like, ugh, the definition of average going on here. And then in the secondary, that rebuilt secondary that you talked about, Andrew Booth Jr. and and Byron Murphy uh, look to formulate a pretty good duo at corner. And then Harrison Smith back in Minnesota, he was one of the few veterans, not a cap casualty. Cam Bynum, who looked really, really good as a promising up-and-coming safety. Uh, and then, of course, last year's rookie, Louis Seen and uh, Josh Metellus, uh, some depth at safety, some backup corners, Makai Blackman, uh, the rookie, uh, Caleb Evans. Jay Ward is listed as like the fifth safety on here uh, after being a fourth round pick. So you mentioned him. Maybe he plays a little slot. I could see that, too. Yeah, I mean, I think the more you look at the secondary, that's where it really pops is the strength of the defense. You talked about there's not a ton of depth in the defensive line. You mentioned Lewis Seen. I like him a lot. I think he's going to be really fun um, in his year two jump. So I don't know. I I just I guess I guess we'll get into this. But did the Vikings, in your opinion, get better or worse? Oh, you want to jump right into it? Yeah. OK, <laughs> Um you know, it, it's hard. It's hard for me to say. Weirdly, I don't think this team got worse. Right? Um, they lost a lot of brand name players, but I think they did a solid job of replacing them. So I think they are about the same from a talent perspective. But there's no way I would say that they should be expected to win the same amount of games. The Vikings were historic in one score wins last year, and I think they recognized that and just said. Let's get cheaper, let's get younger, and then build this back up. And I think they did that pretty successfully. But I thought last year, honestly, like an honest view of the Vikings was that they were probably a nine-win team. And they overachieved by a lot, and good for them. Like, that's what good teams do. But I think so much of that was either luck or just them being phenomenal in close games, probably a combination of those two. So I'd argue that they are probably still about a nine-win team. I like that you use the term brand name players because it it's like when you go to Costco, right? Uh-huh. And the Vikings are like Kirkland brand Vikings right now where they, they're they not name brand, but they have all the potential and they're just as good quality <laughs> as the name brand starters that left. So 
I'm going to disagree with you just slightly. And I'm going to say that the team took a small step back. And I think part of that, you know, is how you define yourself as a fan listening to the show, how you define a team getting better or worse. So if it's solely wins or losses, then yeah, I think last season was an anomaly because that is incredibly hard to replicate their performance in some of those really close games. So the Vikings, I think, will be a worse team this year simply because they likely won't have that same success in those close one-score games. But the roster did get younger, and it has a lot more upside than it's had in a while. So I think you can take that and say on paper, this team potentially might be a, a tad worse than they were, but they're poised to play the long game and they could really be something special in 2024 and beyond. So in a wide open NFC North, we talked about it last week with the Lions. I think nine wins could potentially win the division. And I think just like the Lions, the Vikings have the potential, like you said, to be a nine win team. So however you want to call it, if they got better, or worse, stayed the same. If they went from being name brand to, to Kirkland brand, which is funny because he's Kirk Cousins. But there, there you go. I think I think there's a lot to work with. Yeah, I, I... I, I don't know. Uh, this division is going to be so interesting. And I've I've made references before where I think like there's four teams that could potentially finish between seven and ten wins. And you could just have like everybody fist fighting towards the end of the season. Um, and I think, you know, certainly on paper, the Lions and the Vikings need to be the favorites. But I think it would not necessarily surprise me to see any of these teams finish first or any of these teams finish fourth. It's, it's just like, there just isn't a lot of separation between them. And so it'll be really interesting. It'll kind of come down to, you know, who plays the best in those close games. Uh, And the Vikings are coming off a, a literal historic performance in that very category, but we'll see if that, that can continue. Usually in the NFL, that is a pretty key indicator of a regression candidate when teams overachieve in one-score games. But uh, that is to be seen. The Packers and Vikings, of course, will match up twice. Their first matchup is in Week 8, Minnesota at Green Bay. That's Sunday, October 29th. Uh, scheduled for a noon kickoff to get you ready for Halloween. And then again in Week 17, the Packers travel to the Bird Murder Dome in Minnesota. <laughs> That's one, That one is going to uh, help you get your New Year's Eve kicked off because it is currently scheduled to be Sunday, December 31st at 7.20 p.m. We will see if that gets flexed or not. Uh, could be a really, really important game depending on how things are going. Uh, but that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the Packaday Podcast. You can find Maggie on Twitter at Maggie J. Loney, and you can find me at Andrew Mertig. Please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If you like what we're doing, you can catch Kyle, Maggie, and myself every Friday. And next week, we'll be back with a breakdown of the Chicago Bears offseason. <laughs> Thanks for listening. And as always, remember... ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger 
offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.